0: You are listening to the Sound and Faith podcast, coming to you from Faith Baptist Fellowship in beautiful Sioux Falls, South Dakota. My name is Pastor Thomas Lawson. And I'm Pastor Mike Johnson. And our aim with this podcast is to encourage the saints of Faith Baptist Fellowship to believe sound doctrine and to live lives that adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ. Pastor Mike, I think the question on everyone's mind right now That's very important this time of year. Pumpkin spice latte, yay or nay? Oh man, so no. (laughs) So no. I am not a frou-frou coffee guy. Do you know what frou-frou is? No, but I, I,
1: you mean like anything added to your coffee? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, I I like cream. I'll take cream. Cream cream in my coffee, which I consider a normal thing to add. Sugar, anything beyond, I don't add sugar, but anything beyond sugar and cream, I consider frou-frou. Which is not a Greek or Hebrew term, but it's just you know. Yeah, it's also not frugal. It's not frugal. <laughs> it's not fr- yes, <laughs> like nine correct.
1: bucks for one of those pumpkin things. But yeah, no,
0: I. If you like it, good on you,
1: mate. But I'm. It's not me.
0: Yeah, I'm not a um, mocha lapa dappuccino, fru. <laughs> fruf- you know whatever that is. Anyway, no judgment on anyone who does that, but I am not a pumpkin spice latte guy. A little bit of judgment. A little bit of judgment, yes. A little bit of making fun in there. Pastor Mike, we have a great episode to get into today. We're going to continue with the uh, theme that we began a couple weeks ago. Uh, It was the question, why do we gather? We talked about our gathering here at Faith, and so we're going to continue with that this morning, and we're going to be talking about the word read and the word preached. And so we, just to just to give a quick recap, the elements of our worship, the the biblical elements of our worship, we we talked about the word read and preached. We pray the word, we sing the word, and then we see the word. So today we're focusing in on the word read and preached.
1: Why do where do we get
0: those elements from, Thomas? We get those elements from scripture. Okay. Uh we see in Scripture, when the the New Testament church gathered, we see the the prescribed elements of worship were the uh, all all centered around the Word. Yeah, and so um, the Word is read and preached in that gathering. Uh, prayers are made; the, the God's people pray. Yep. and in praying, we we pray that which is scriptural. We sing that which is scriptural, and then the seeing the Word are the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper. And what principle? Do we apply so that we're doing
1: those things coming from the word and not other things that don't? That come? would be called the regulative
0: principle of worship. Wow, yes. thank you, Sergei. I did it in a Russian accent. <laughs> that was a good For accent. no particular reason.
1: I can't yes. do it in a Russian accent, but I do love the regulative principle.
0: Yes, yeah. uh, we love the regulative principle of worship um, because it is, you know, God dictates how he is to be worshiped. Yes, and uh, we we're not left to our own imaginations to figure out how to worship Him.
1: But wait, wait, wait
0: the the Bible doesn't say that I should wear a microphone on Sunday morning. That is correct, and that's going to so, be something I think in a future episode we'll get into, because the, uh, with the regulative principle of worship, how we observe the elements uh, are are the circumstances and the forms of worship. Okay. Uh, And and so, that's an important thing to distinguish because, you know, when we talk about things like singing the word or praying the word, you know, do you stand, do you sit, do you use a guitar, do you use piano, do you do acapella? all those things like that. We'll answer those in a future episode. So, it's coming. It is coming. Awesome. Coming this summer to a theater near you. So, let's get into today's. What do we have? (laughs) Well, (laughs) we're going to start with some, uh, some questions here on... Uh, the reading and the preaching of the word. Yes. And um, what we're talking about, when we talk about the reading and the preaching of the word, we're talking about as as a congregation, the word is read. And so sometimes the congregation is hearing. Sometimes the congregation is participating in the reading. Uh, but really the, the, the apex of our worship service is the word preached. Yep. And, and that's when the word is opened up and uh, either you or one of the other pastors or a qualified man man uh, within our church uh, that is gifted in being able to exposit the word, preaches the word. Um, and, and so, uh, we're going to jump into that today and and answer some of those questions as to why we do things the way that we do.
1: Great. Let's do it. Yeah. So, let's start off by just asking the question, why, why do we read so much scripture on a Sunday morning? Because um, I've never counted it up. There's, there's quite a, quite a, quite a lot of scripture on a Sunday morning at Faith Baptist
0: Fellowship. Yeah, yeah. So just to give a quick, <clears throat> a quick recap of what that is. I mean, we have our call to worship, uh, which is always drawn from scripture. Oftentimes, in between some songs, we'll have another scripture that's read that is pertinent or related to either the songs we're singing and/or the sermon. And then the scripture is read when we uh, we hear the message preached and then there's multiple bible verses that are often referenced during the sermon. Um we, and then and then
1: even in the closing, even in the yeah. closing benediction, mm-hmm. there's usually a verse read. So right. I mean every aspect of I would say the word saturation is totally applicable. It, the the service is saturated with the
0: bible. Yeah. And and just I'll give my answer and I already see you going in your bible there to 2 Timothy. Mm-hmm. So and I'll, I'll I'll hand it off to you, but really because what else do we have as our guide what else yes. what else forms our understanding of what we believe other than the Word of God. amen It cannot be our own devices or our own whims or our own imagination. We want our understanding we want our doctrine to all be rooted in the Word of God.
1: yeah so second Timothy 3:16 all scriptures breathed out by God and here's the benefit it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, I love that, mm-hmm. lacking nothing, lacking nothing, equipped for every good work. And right. so that's why, I mean, it's not the only verse that helps us to see that, but that's that's why there's so much saturation of the word on a Sunday morning at faith. Yeah,
0: yeah. We want we want our, our service to be saturated with it. And that's really why all of these elements of uh, the, our worship service are, are all centered around the word. Yeah, we read and preach the word. We pray the word. Yep. We sing the word. We see the word. It's all the word. We we there's nothing. The Bible doesn't talk about anything
1: else l- like that. Like right. the, you you don't have a, a passage of scripture like Second um, Timothy three sixteen about something else. Uh, yeah, in the in the life of the church, only the Bible, only the scriptures, and so that's why. Yeah, yeah, Amen. Awesome. So uh, when a, when a passage is read. Or responsively read between songs. We do that a lot. A lot of responsive reading. Yeah. Sometimes we will will all like corporately read together a, a passage. Uh, what is the benefit like to the people? Like how 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 is a person helped by reading the Bible like that specifically? I want to narrow this question right down to that time mm-hmm. when we're in the middle of our our
0: our praise and singing time, and we read. Yeah. Well, one when- <clears throat> one thing that I want us to see is first of all, it is scriptural mm. that the the congregation either read together or respond. In the Bible, sometimes you see people confessing things together. Mm. So and in other times, especially in the Psalms, they were meant to either be read or sung antiphonally, where uh, a, a cantor or a leader would would sing or say one part and the congregation would respond. With another, or the people would respond with another. So it, it's biblical in doing that. This isn't just some liturgical uh, form that we've invented. Right. Um, it it is something that is that is biblical. Awesome. But we want people to both be able to hear the word and and learn that discipline of hearing the word read and to read the word together because the the words of scripture sometimes uh, reflect a corporate confession of truth. And so you'll notice sometimes on a Sunday morning, we'll read a passage together and we'll call this a confession of faith. Mm. And because the language of that passage is from that perspective of we are confessing these things together. Right on. Uh, And so we're confessing this truth together. Other times we read responsively, where I will lead, or the other leader will lead off with a verse of scripture, and the congregation responds to that. Uh, and that is just to really engage our hearts as uh, uh, corporately with the Word of God. We we want we want corporate involvement with that. We want us all confessing the Word of God together. And so, there's times for that.
1: There's something sweet and precious about hearing uh, the auditorium, the the worship center, the sanctuary. Filled with the voices of men and women mm. speaking the scriptures at the same time. There's something very, very good about that. Like the, the confession of God that we see there. That's that's a really special to
0: yeah, me. Yeah, and 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 I, just to give you an example, <clears throat> going here to Ephesians chapter two. Um, sorry, I got to flip here in my Bible. But a couple weeks ago, we we read uh, from Ephesians chapter two. We we did a kind of a responsive reading. And the language of the passage actually led itself to that because uh, Paul begins in Ephesians chapter two. He, he's using this this uh, and, and you were dead in mm. your trespasses and sins uh, in which you once walked. And then when you get to verse four, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, mm. and and I had the congregation respond when once we got to verse four with that that corporate response. Uh, because I wanted to highlight that truth that, you know, because of God's great love with which he loved us Amen. all together. Oh, um, so, so there's times for that where the text lends itself to that. So good. Yeah.
1: So when, what, is there scripture in the
0: songs too, Thomas? Yeah, absolutely. And um, we, could, we could dive deeply into this, but just to say, you know, the Psalms were the Old Testament songbook. Hmm. That was the, 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 the hymnal of the, the people psalter. of God, the Psalter, yeah. And um, we want all of our songs that we sing to be rooted in scripture. They may sometimes directly allude to uh, verses in the Bible. <clears throat> so when we sang the song recently, uh, Behold Our God, Who Has Held the Oceans in His Hands, mm. Who Has Numbered Every Grain of Sand. Well, that that's really drawn from Isaiah chapter 40, uh, where uh, I, I can't quote the verses off the top of my head, but I know it's drawn from there talking about God uh, numbering the sands uh, of of the earth, uh, holding the earth in His hands. Um, so sometimes it's directly connected to that, and I think in a future episode we're going to talk about sing the word, yeah. and we'll get more deeply into uh, you know how our songs are reflective awesome. of Scripture. Awesome, yeah. And so I'll I'll pose this question to you, Pastor Mike. Um, <clears throat> you know, here at Faith, as the pastor of of uh, preaching and, and vision. Um, you're often the ones, most of the time. That you're often the one that's going to be in the pulpit. When we say the word preached, uh, and we we talk about that, is there is there something else besides the Bible that could be preached, other than you know when we say the word preached? What 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 else could be preached? Like what else
1: possibly could be yeah. preached? Uh, people preach all kinds of things in churches what? in America today. Like there, there's uh, self-help thoughts, there's ideas, there's political ambitions, there's all kinds of things that people preach. There's nothing that can be preached other than the word and be fruitful in the life of believers, though. Uh, the the word, you know, it's like what the disciples said to Jesus when he said, will you two turn away? And he says, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. These are the words, the Bible, in in the scriptures, we have the words of eternal life. Right. Where would we go? What what would we preach without that? You know, so, uh, yeah, lots of things are preached in pulpits today. Um, I I can hardly listen to some of them because it's um, so full. It feels to me like such a missed opportunity, you know, to take an hour on a Sunday morning or 45 minutes on a Sunday morning and, uh, and and talk about silly things and and entertain a crowd with humor and with cleverness, and uh, and never never open the Bible uh, yeah. to to God's people. You know that that to me uh, is a recipe for disaster. It doesn't lead to spiritual health. It doesn't lead to maturing of Christians, edifying of Christians. Um, it might draw a crowd though. Like let's let's. Uh, it might bring in the people. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think the true preaching of the word could also do that. Different seasons, but um, but it it might bring bring in a crowd. But it will not deepen their affections for Christ.
0: Right. It's yeah. it's it's therapeutic. Yes. Ah, uh, from a from a humanist perspective. And and, and who was it really that that um, was it? Norman Vincent Peale. That uh, that you know the power of positive thinking yeah. back in the day. Uh, that really led to this whole idea of, you know, you don't talk about sin, you don't talk right. about negativity, you, you you think about, you think happy thoughts. It's right. almost kind of like a Mr. Rogers type uh, theology. Won't you be my neighbor? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, why don't we, you know, why don't we do that at faith? Uh, why do we do things the way we do at faith? And And, and it's not to say that a sermon can't have... Something lighthearted, encouraging, and, sure. and joyful in it, like that, like a, a joyful thought. But but why do we preach the way we do here at Faith?
1: I, I just to speak to the tone because you kind of hinted at the tone, yeah. joyful or not. Like we we take on the tone of the passage. So I I think I think the best preaching takes on the tone of the passage. So if the if the passage is warning. Uh, the tone of the sermon yeah. ought to be mostly warning. You know, if the tone is rejoicing in the goodness of God, our, our tone should be joyful, you yeah. know? You know uh, the, it should reflect. And and most of the time, it's more than one tone in a given sermon. There's there's elements of warning, and there's elements of joy, and there's elements of... And our tone should reflect that. So that's... Uh, we're not morose. We don't go up there to be to be grave for the sake of being grave, you know, like mm. in, the, in the way that we talk. Um, that's not helpful. Uh, that's... That, that just leads to sullenness, you yeah. know, Christians are to be joyful. So, um, my ambition is always to, to let the tone of that text really speak out in the way that we form that sermon, you know, uh, for that morning, for that time. But yeah, it's, uh, the, the reality is, at the end of the day, people are not helped by human thoughts, you know, we're not helped by sitting around in a room together telling each other the best way to do stuff. Not not, not in an eternal way. Um, God has revealed himself to us outside of mankind. God mm. speaking to man through his word, and we would be derelict. We would be—it would be a grave sin if, if we didn't take time to listen to him, yeah. you know, because he has the words of eternal life. You know, like, it's kind of like you put a bunch of elementary kids— Together and you say now learn stuff without a teacher. Yeah. Good luck, right? I right. Mean, they're yeah. gonna, they, they might get better at at a few different things that they do, but they're not going to grow. We don't grow like that, you know. Somebody outside of that demographic needs to speak in who who has wisdom and who has knowledge and you know a bigger perspective, they need to be there to speak into it. And that's, that's exactly why we need the word. We, we're, we're not going to grow by you and me just sitting around telling each other the best way to do stuff, you know, right, yeah. we're going to grow by looking to the word and hearing God, the, the creator of heaven and earth speak to us and reveal himself to us and show us what he is like and what righteousness and what sin is like.
0: Yeah. Now, um, digging a little bit deeper into sure. why we preach the way we do here at faith, um, several people that I've spoken to recently who have maybe come from other churches or come from a different background uh one thing that one, one way they describe our preaching here at faith is like you you guys get really deep mm. um what what is our what is our style of preaching or what is our our philosophy of preaching and and why do we feel that that's the most biblical way to do it, the best way to do it. I could really nerd out and spend a lot of time on this. But please the, please, nerd.
1: The, the, the short answer is it's expositional preaching. Yeah. And by that, like that word exposition comes from the word expose. So it's it's like we're holding, or expose, we're holding the word up before people and we're saying, this is, this is God's word, this is what he has said, uh, and this is how it ought to apply to your life. You know, that's expositional preaching in a nutshell. We take a passage of Scripture, and we try to understand the main idea. Like, mm. I, I, you know, I I don't know how deep or how, you know, I, depth is subjective, you know, yeah. how deep we go on a Sunday morning. Um, my goal when I'm preaching is I want the people to, to come away with two things. One, I want them to understand what that Scripture said. I want them to understand the main idea of that passage. I want them to get that. Um, and two, I want them to know, or at least have helps, uh, for how to apply that to their lives. Hmm. If I, if I, if I, you know, if whatever else happens in that morning, if I tell a great illustration or if I, you know, if I do those two things, I go home and I think, man, thank you, Lord, uh, for the chance and the ability to do that, you know? So, uh, expositional preaching. And we also do another thing, uh, with that, and they're not the same. We do, um, We go through books of the Bible, um, typically. You know, it doesn't mean we don't have one-off sermons. We do have those, too. We've got a couple coming up for Thanksgiving. But we typically work our way through a a book of the Bible, lexico continuum, we call that. It's not the same as expositional preaching, because you can actually do that topically almost. Right, yeah. You know, so, uh, so they're not synonymous, but we go through books of the Bible. So, right now, we're going through Titus. We're about to finish up two weeks from now, then... Uh, then we've got some Advent stuff going on, and then um, the new year, we're starting the Gospel of John. Amen. Yeah. I'm excited about that. I am, yeah. too. I am, too. Yeah, it's very— a Good study. Long study, but good.
0: Yeah, it's wonderful. I, if I can just give a brief testimony, you know, I did not grow up in a church that did expository preaching. Um, it was topical, and, and sometimes it was more, you know, the pastor had—you could tell he kind of had an agenda, and he would find, you know, uh, Bible verses to support whatever he wanted to say that morning— and I remember in, a, in college visiting a church where they preached expositionally and, and just how just mind-blowing it was, mm. you know, walking in and the pastor opened up to Hebrews chapter six and he read the passage and he explained the passage. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. It seems like this is the way preaching should be, where you open up the word of God and you explain it. And, and again, again, that doesn't uh, mean that we can never do topical sermons but uh at the same time it's like you know getting into God's word exposing God's word to God, God's word to God's people um is is just a healthy way of of getting God's word out there to the people to the to the congregations that they can grow by it
1: amen i you know i i want even my topical sermons to be expositional like i'm i'm gonna, i'm going to preach soon on on thankfulness and thanksgiving you know but i'm not going to do a survey style like you would do in a Systematic theology study, you know, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna open a passage of scripture and uh, that talks about thankfulness and try to unpack that so that mm-hmm. we get the main idea and we understand how to apply it. That's I think that's the best way to do it.
0: That's I think that's yeah. One <clears throat> one brother, uh, I don't know if you've had a chance to meet him yet. He actually serves our district of churches, Steve mm-hmm. Creer. He calls them topical expositions because yes. he wants to always highlight the fact that even when we preach topically we are still seeking to root it in god's word we want to expose his word we want to we want to bring it to light um and and so even topical sermons are expositional in that respect amen yeah so where do we go from here well you know we just finished up um a very important holiday on tuesday mm. you know um i think there was some candy involved did you dress up i did hmm. I dressed up like Martin Luther. I didn't dress <laughs> nice. up. Uh, yeah, we we had Reformation Day. Um, Boom. You know the, the culture, wider culture, celebrating Halloween, and and I think we might actually have a question about that at the end of our our time today. Oh, yeah. yep. Um. But 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 really, more importantly, um, five hundred and I got to do the math. Hang on. I need like a Jeopardy theme song right here. 506 years ago. Six years ago, yeah. 506 years ago. 1517. Uh, a German monk by the name of Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the uh, k- castle church door. Am I getting there right? Yeah, they, at Wittenberg. At mm-hmm. Wittenberg, Germany. I've actually been there, seen that. Cool. Seen that place, really cool. Um, but he, his grievances, really, uh, on some of the errors and heresies that had crept into the Catholic church that they were teaching at that time... Um, and one of those that uh, really came out of the Reformation was this uh, this doctrine of sola scriptura, mm. God's word alone. Um, the belief that God's word alone is our source of faith and practice, that uh, we don't need the pope, we don't need the clergy, um, the priesthood somehow to interpret the word for us only, that we can have Knowledge of God by His Word alone. So unpack that a little bit. That doctrine sure. of sola scriptura. Why do we believe it, and, and why do we hold to it, to, to it so tenaciously? Sure. Uh, as a precious truth.
1: Yeah. So I, I guess um, it's not that we only read the Bible, and it's not that we only need the Bible. Like we don't, we don't speak like that. We, like I think we need Bible teachers. I think we need, right. We need expositions. We need, we need those kind of things. I, you know, in my study. Um, I read the Bible most when I'm studying for a sermon, but I read lots and lots of other literature on on that passage. You know, so I we read other books. So um, sola scriptura does not mean we only read the Bible. What it does mean is that alone, the Scripture stands as our final authority yeah. for life and practice. Yeah. You know, and so everything must be judged in light of that light. It, you know, not 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 by other means. Um, so really, it's a it's a it's a matter of authority. You know, we. As Christians, we say we submit to the Scriptures uh, as our final authority. You know, and that's that's what regulates how we do worship. That's what, what regulates our Christian lives. What what helps us to see what's right and wrong. Um, and so. It's our final authority. Like, every every catechism is weighed in light of the scriptures. Every confession is weighed, every commentary. Like, when I read a commentary, uh, one of the things I'm doing with that commentary, I'm reading it in light of the scriptures, and I'm, I'm seeing if it holds water um, yeah. based on what the scriptures say. So, uh, that's what sola scriptura means, and it's so important to us because, again, the Bible only talks about the scriptures the way that you know, uh, the, as being profitable uh, for correction, reproof, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete. It doesn't talk about anything else like that, you know? So, that's why we say sola scriptura. And it's a precious doctrine. It is yeah. a precious doctrine. That's rejected wholesale by the Council of Trent and um, and those who have followed Trent since Trent, you know? Well,
0: and that <clears throat> that's really one of the things that distinguishes the, the you know evangelical Protestants from Catholics, yes. is that we do believe in the infallible, inerrant word of God – but like Catholics say you have to have an infallible, inerrant interpretation of that. You have to have have an infallible, inerrant church right. to to teach that.
1: it's it's complex. Like it comes down to perspicuity and whether yeah. the scriptures can be understood outside of the councils and outside of the, you know, the pope speaking ex cathedra and stuff like that. But. Yeah but at the end of the day um, uh, they do not view the scriptures as the final authority they they are right. very clear there's a clear this isn't they own this like i'm not characterizing their position in a way right. they wouldn't own they they own this they they say no the scriptures is one one leg of a of a stool that has other legs you know like the 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 tradition of the church uh, church councils and such and the pope when he speaks ex cathedra all these things together the magisterium of the church All these things come together to form their authority. Protestants, since the Reformation, and and joyfully so, we have said no to that. We've we've said the scriptures are our final authority, and they can be understood by—they're
0: meant to be understood. All right, so I'm going to go off script here for a second and ask you a question. In your years of preaching, Mike, have you ever gotten a text or either a portion of a text wrong, and a congregation member or an elder— Correct you on it.
1: Yes, and I love that. I love that. I joyfully own that. I can be corrected by the scriptures, right? And so there I stood, and I I was at the church I was speaking at. I was uh, I was the senior pastor. I had I had a a fair amount of authority, but I could be corrected by the scriptures. Mm. You know, the scriptures are meant to to govern us. Not the church doesn't decide things uh, about the scriptures. The scriptures decide things about the church, right? You know, so it's.
0: Uh, yeah, great question. I, and, I love that, and, and that's the beautiful thing about why we we hold this doctrine of sola scriptura so dear, is that we we want we want our congregation to trust us. Yes. Okay. So we we want to be faithful to the scriptures, such that our congregation does trust that we're doing the work of exegesis when we stand up and preach or read or teach. But at the same time, we want them to be students of the word, such that they are discerning. And they understand it, and and if we ever get something wrong, for uh, you know anyone in our congregation to come up to us and say. You know, here at Faith. Hey, what about this? You know. Yeah. Uh, let's look at the scriptures together because we stand under that authority also. So, I, the one
1: particular sermon comes to mind. I, I preached. I don't remember the actual text, but I remember preaching, and I remember making a big point about something um, that I that I that I I forced into it. Like I, I forced into it, and a mm-hmm. good brother in the Lord, uh, an elder in the church, actually texted me after the service and said. Uh, love this part of the sermon. Love this part, but I wonder how you were able to pull this from that. Can you explain that better? And right away, I realized. Now, I,
0: I, you know, I, I was, I was in error there yeah. to do
1: that. And I, I thank that brother. Thank you for doing that. So, yeah,
0: it was good. Yeah, within within our church, within evangelical Protestantism, we don't have uh, a human authority that gives us the infallible declaration to say you know like we don't have a pope that speaks ex cathedra right uh and and makes declarations and like this is what this means and And, our doctrine does not change that because of that like our doctrine like there there could
1: be some massive shifts in in doctrine um if, if you have other sources of authority that can do that yeah um our scriptures um it's once for all delivered to the saints sure good question thank you yeah so, um, how should the way that we handle the Word on Sunday affect us during the week? Let's speak about application. Like, So, we do all that reading of the Scriptures, we preach the Scriptures. How should that affect um, me as a believer Monday
0: through Saturday? I, I think if Sunday morning you're walking in and your only diet of Scripture is happening one day a week— mm. You're about to get really meddly here, aren't you? I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start meddling. I need a meddling sound effect over here. Yeah. Um You know, if if it's just one day a week, you're you're gonna starve mm-hmm. in your faith. Mm-hmm. Yes. You need that diet of the word every day. Um and and I, I say this with all love and and understanding and 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 even self-conviction when I say this, because have I ever fallen uh, off out of the habit of of being as steady in god 's word over my life uh mm. that I should be, yeah absolutely, mm. I understand that life gets busy, hectic, random things come up, but you know we live in an age where engaging in the discipline of regular bible reading is probably easier than ever right your phone
1: <laughs> you could have an app on your phone yeah. you i mean you yeah. And we you know we have all these modern conveniences that allow for more time like right. just the reality that we don't have to build a fire in the morning. Yeah, absolutely.
0: We 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 have the ability, we have at our disposal so many resources mm. that are out there. And and in the, even in those days where life gets out of hand or mm. crazy. I mean, I think of times where like you know we, we, our son was in the hospital one time. I was staying the night with him for several days you know, it's not conducive to getting up at five o'clock and sitting there for an hour reading your Bible in quiet. And, you know, that's just gonna happen. But, but say, hey, you know, even in this moment, I can pull up the, the Psalms on my mm. phone mm. And, and I can read through a chapter and, and then, you know, talk to the doctor, do whatever you need to do. There, there's so many things that we can take advantage of in our lives today to help really us just, just stay engaged in God. Be in God's word every day. And, and make that a regular habit and discipline of your life, it will feed your soul, mm. you know? So good, so yeah. good. Hey, let's each give one quick random
1: tip for studying your Bible. You go first.
0: Have a plan. Oh, good, I like that. Have a plan, mm. um, a Bible-reading plan that you can regularly go to that even if you fall out of the habit, you can go back to that plan. Um, there's tons of good ones. There's ones that you read through the Bible in a year, two years, three years even, uh, some that take you topically through the Bible, I, I, but have a plan that you can go back to. That way, you're just not flipping open your Bible and saying, well, what do I read now? Because uh, if, if you do that, you're, there's going to be whole portions of Scripture that you you skip, hmm. that you never really go to, and you're going to kind of be left scratching your head sometimes. Hmm. Yeah.
1: My tip would be ask a lot of questions of the text. Mm. You know, ask and try to answer as many as you can. Why why did the author write this? Why is why does this conjunction happen right here? Why why you know, ask those questions. I think you know, studying your Bible, I think a lot of people feel like a like how do you do that kind of thing, but it's really just reading carefully. And yeah. you know, read it like you would read a love letter from your you know, prospective bride. You know who, mm. who who writes you. You know you want to you want to figure out tone. Is she saying here she loves me, or is she saying here that she's you know tired of me? You, you, you know what I mean. You're going to be like really digging in to try to understand what she had to say. Read the Bible like that.
0: When it when it comes to um, different approaches to reading the Bible, you know, uh, I, you know, there's the the slow in study, mm. and then there's the. Read and kind of you know get the the overview of the text. Do you have a per, a, a preference or a you know some advice on like which one do I do? Because yeah. I hear some people say I like to read, but I find myself stopping and you know wanting to dig deeper all the time. Uh, how do you balance that?
1: Yeah, I think you purposely have to do both. I, I, I think there's times to slow down and really dig in, and then there's times to to, to just broadly read. Um, and mm. so, I, as far as like how do you do that? I think, um, I think you, can, you can have a plan, like you said, and just read the scriptures every day and then be studying something on, that you're going a little deeper on. Uh, or, you know, like this morning for me, I, re- I read Hosea, I read, uh, you know, a chapter in Hosea, I read, uh, I, it was part of the, the plan I'm on, uh, I read from Titus, actually, I started reading Titus again, and then I read the Psalms, and I slowed down on the Psalms, and I just meditated mm-hmm. on what they had to say, and yeah. that was helpful for my soul. So, I, I'd say do both. That's my tip. Now, we have some bonus questions that I think we have to get to.
0: Yeah. Should yeah, we, we got some bonus questions we're going to get to.
1: Did you want to say something else about that last question? Oh.
0: No, I think we'll dig into that a little bit later okay. uh, in another episode. And it really comes down to questions like w- when you're reading through Leviticus and numbers <laughs> and you get to those yes. names and yeah. you get to those laws, how do you deal with those passages? But we'll, let's, let's pick that up at a different, different episode a little bit later. We've got some questions from our listeners. This one comes from Shiloh, Shiloh Joyle. I think I pronounced your name right, Shyla.
1: Yeah. Last name. Uh, can you offer some perspective about what's happening in Israel and Palestine from a biblical worldview, our viewpoint? How specifically should we be praying
0: for what's happening there? We've we've addressed that a little bit, but maybe there's more to say. So, yeah. Well, I was going to get out the newspaper and I was going to connect it with specific verses in scripture. From Daniel. Uh, from Daniel Fred, and all that. Yeah. Um. No, I think you said it very well last time, and I, I just want to reiterate this point. Making one-to-one predictions about this means this, this means yep. this, is oftentimes unhelpful. And precarious at best. Right, it, because you you're, you don't know. Right. We, we honestly, at the end of, of all things, we don't know how everything specifically, detail by detail, is going to unfold. Um, one, we, we, we grieve the evils of this world. Yep. Uh, it is... It is heartbreaking to see what is happening. Um, we remember the biblical commands to, to pray. Mm. And at the same time, we're not shocked by these things. We know that there are going to be wars and rumors of wars mm. as as history unfolds, as God's plan unfolds. Um, we pray for those that are, uh, in a sense, in this context, innocent, and pray for their protection. We pray for their, uh, pray for their salvation. We pray for the gospel to go forth during this time. We we grieve uh, both for the lost that are in Israel and in Palestine. We we recognize that there are real matters of justice happening here. There's been real evil that's been perpetrated and initiated by Hamas against Israel, uh, and so we condemn that wholeheartedly and recognize that as evil that's been done. Um, but there there's just a uh, you know from a broad perspective. We, we pray for those that are suffering, we pray for those that are lost, we pray for the work of the gospel. Uh, Mike, do you have anything you want to add to this? Because I'm just kind of hitting the high points here.
1: Yeah, no, I think all that's really good. We And, and we, we pray for Israel because Israel's been aggressed upon, and they, they have a right to defend themselves, yeah. as every nation does, and... Um, like you said, real injustices have happened. And, you know, there's a lot of anti-Semitism that is just growing in America today. And we, we reject that. We, re, we reject that wholesale and see it as utterly evil to, to go there and to think that this, this people group, it doesn't have a right to exist. Like, right. Yeah, uh, exactly. That, that, is, uh, that is utterly, utter, utter folly. You know, and so we, we pray that those things stop. And, and at the end of the day, we pray, Prince of Peace, come. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Carrie Fong <clears throat> asked this: What books would you consider must reads for a teen before leaving home? Uh, specifically in the area of spiritual formation, and recommendations in any genre are welcome.
1: Okay, I have a few. Don't waste your life by John Piper. Ooh, I think. Nice. I think older. Um, older teens especially ought to give that a read. Uh, it's helpful because you don't want to waste your life, and it's really easy to waste your 20s. Really easy. You know, uh, adulting comes later and later yeah. uh, in our society, and it shouldn't um, because we only have one life to live, you know, as, it, as it were. Scriptive. Screw tape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Oh, I see you that you stole have mine. right there. You stole oh, but I actually wrote it. So <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, I agree. Yeah. Um, for those of you watching the video, here it is. Screw tape Letters, C.S. Lewis. Excellent.
1: Excellent. excellent it, like it's uh, kind of a reverse psychology book. Uh, in a, not, It's not psychology, but it's reverse in the sense that it's, uh, this is how tempters work and this is how temptation works. And I thought it was very, very insightful and very helpful for young people
0: yeah. as they see the enemy uh, at work trying to waylay us. Absolutely. You have one? Yeah, I have another one here. This one was uh, very impactful for me in my young Christian life. It's one of those I wish I had read before leaving home. Uh, But Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald S. Whitney. Who is still very much alive. Yes, still very much alive. Uh, this was one of those books where it, it discipled me mm. so well when I first read it. And I was like, this was just, I mean, at the time, it was just mind-blowing. I love that book. Yeah, yeah
1: I love that book. Uh, for men, there's a it's kind of dated, but it's good too. Kent Hughes, The Disciplines of a Godly Man, and yeah. also a new one by Dave Mathis called Habits of Grace. All those are the same kind of genre yeah. as far as understanding the disciplines and how important it is to go after this and then you know you said any genre so let's go Chronicles of Narnia I think uh, every mm. young person would do well to give that a read through so many good thoughts about morality about uh, importance uh, are there in that uh, children's series that's interesting to read yeah. for me I mean I'm near 50 and I
0: still love to read it it's just a beautiful it's a beautiful beautiful story it is and um, our, our youngest our, our kids like it but our youngest our daughter not a lily in particular loves it, such to the point where if we're ever singing a song in church that has anything about a lion in it, yeah. I always have to look at her and she giggles and smiles yeah. and everything. Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. Older older teenagers would do well to read The Pilgrim's
1: Progress mm. um, by John Bunyan. And there's some there's some NIV versions of that that's easier to read yeah. now. But yeah. There are lots of good books. Great question. Um, glad you asked that,
0: Carrie. The final question Yes. You want to ask it here? Oh, <laughs> uh, sure. Yeah. So,
1: uh, Nancy Jellin asks, do you think Christians should celebrate Halloween? And I think that's a fair question. Um, yeah. You want me to lead with that? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, I, like, if I wanted to rephrase that, one way that I'd rephrase it, there's lots of ways, but one way that I would rephrase it is, uh, can Christians eat meat offered to idols? And, mm. and the reason I'd, re- I'd phrase it that way is because First Corinthians uh, 8 and 9 uh, talk about matters that um, that really... You can build a case on both sides about things, you know, and I—I th- I, I don't know that Halloween totally fits into that, um, but 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 I do know that godly brothers who love Jesus make a case for why they do celebrate it. I I um, I, I don't, and I haven't celebrated uh, Halloween, and the reason I don't and and won't is because I I just know that um, I, I you know I spend a lot of time in animistic cultures, yeah. and um, fear is not something to be toyed with, or played with, or enjoyed, or, or those kind of things. And so, there's those kind of elements that I want to stay as far away as I can from, but I recognize that my brothers in Christ can have freedom uh, in this. As So, here's what I would suggest for a believer. Think it through, and be fully convinced in your mind what's right to do, and live for your convictions. Yeah, uh,
0: and and don't don't waver. Yeah, on those convictions. Yeah, good word there. I mean, it's it's kind of one of those things we we could break this down for quite some time, and, yeah. and I don't think we need to. You know, to, to say celebrate Halloween. I guess what do you mean when you say that? Are yeah, you you, good, you know? And that's another thought. thing too. Are you are you letting your kids going go, go trick or treating? Or are you celebrating the demonic? That's, and, that's a good way
1: to put it, yeah.
0: And and, and that, that gets into some areas of grace, and, and and obviously we don't want to celebrate the demonic. We don't want to celebrate evil um, when it comes to, do you let your kid dress up like Superman and go get candy from his neighbors? Yeah. Uh, you know, those are areas that Christians are honestly going to disagree on, and I think the whole meat offered to idols thing does offer some insight into our understanding of that.
1: And one last word, I feel like we have bigger fish to fry than to than to be divisive about something like this, and so let's be careful in how we approach this as yeah. believers. You know, um, I, I think again, I think we ought to have a robust discussion about this. But um, it, you know, I, I've seen Christians really get red faced over 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 this particular question, and I don't know that we have to do that as Christians. I, I think right. again, I think everyone should be fully convinced. They should um, let the Scripture speak to them as, as far as what's wholesome and what's not wholesome and. And 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 they should not engage in evil in any way. Like we're called to be separate.
0: Yeah. So good word there, Mike. Well, it's been a good episode today. The time really goes by fast, doesn't it? It just yeah. just we're looking at our clock up there. <laughs> well, we're gonna hit the outro music here. You've been listening to the Sound of Faith podcast. I'm Pastor Thomas Lawson, and I'm Pastor Mike Johnson, and we will hopefully, by the grace of God, see you Sunday.